Oh, I'm doing the reading as well. Um, we're going to um, just read from your word, from, not your word, from God's word. Um, we've got three readings this morning. The first one is from Matthew 26, uh, verses 31 to 35. So Matthew 26, starting at verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. This very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. And then going to verse 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with you, with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. And then one other reading in John Chapter 21, starting at verse 15. John 21, starting at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Thank you so much, Rachel. It's going to help you this morning to most of your Bibles open in Matthew 26. 
Um, we're going to be there most of this morning, but we are going to use those other passages that Rachel read to us too. Um, so Matthew 26, um, mostly we're going to be in from 69 to 75, which is where we've reached in our studies in Matthew's Gospel. I wonder what sorts of things the voice in your head says to you. We're always talking to ourselves. Some of you do it aloud, especially if you're on your own. Some of us just do it in our heads. But there's always a voice there that tells us how we think we're doing, how we think the world's running, what our performance is like. I guess some of you might be like Muhammad Ali himself, and you might have a voice in your head that says, I am the greatest. I said it even before I knew that I was. And maybe you go through life just feeling very, very confident in your own ability. Um, You're a self-confident sort of person. But actually, most of the people that I meet, most of the people I know, that is not true for them. Most of us actually have a much more negative voice in our heads. It has all sorts of fears that come to the surface, particularly if we're under stress, particularly if we're under pressure, and all sorts of memories of failure. It's a voice in our head that often seems to accuse us, a voice in our head that often seems to tell us what we are doing wrong. It's a voice that's full of fear. It's a voice that's full of memories of past failure. And if we don't deal with that voice, we can very quickly feel full of self-loathing. And in our stories, these two in Matthew's gospel that are put side by side, if you look at the headings in your Bible, it says there, Peter disowns Jesus. And then the story immediately afterwards is Judas hangs himself. What we're looking at here today is a man who was self-confident in Peter, whose self-confidence was smashed to pieces. And a man who became full of self-loathing, who took his own life. And today we're just going to focus on Peter, but Matthew very deliberately puts these two stories next to each other to instruct us. So today we're going to think about three things. We're going to think about fear, we're going to think about failure, and we're going to think about forgiveness. So those three things. And hopefully through that we'll learn, as Peter did, what it really means to trust in Jesus. Peter was a very self-confident person. And perhaps in many respects, he had every reason to be one. Um, He was the first disciple Jesus called, according to Matthew's Gospel. So Matthew's Gospel, it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and you will fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. But Peter wasn't just the first disciple called. Whenever the disciples were listed, his name was first. He had a position of preeminence. Maybe he imagined that once Jesus took the throne, once he was recognized as king of Israel, he'd kind of get an executive parking space outside for his camel. Yeah, he, was, he, was, he was the man. He was side by side with his Lord. And he'd seen many miracles. Um, and not only miracles to other people, but to those that he loved. So early on in Jesus' ministry, this happened. It said, Jesus came into Peter's house. He saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. Peter saw many miracles over those three years. And he also experienced firsthand 
one of those miracles. It says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But immediately, Jesus said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? It may not have worked out quite as Peter expected, but he experienced the miraculous power of Jesus firsthand, enabling him to do things that are impossible, to walk on the Sea of Galilee. He'd taken a boat across there before, but now here he was, walking on the water. And Peter was also the first to recognize who Jesus really was to have confidence that Jesus really was the long-awaited king. A thousand years of waiting were over. So Jesus challenged his disciples and said, when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked them, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You know, Peter had every reason to believe he was someone special. God had blessed his life. He'd recognized Jesus as the long-awaited king, and immediately afterwards, he was given a special role by Jesus. Jesus said to him, And I tell you, Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Peter was given an amazing responsibility to look after Jesus' people, his gathered church. And on this rock, playing on Peter's name, which meant rock, he was like a nickname, Rocky, Jesus would build his church. And so it's little wonder on the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed that Peter actually was in bullish mood. He could see that maybe other people would let Jesus down. But not in his wildest dreams could he imagine it would be him. So Jesus said, This very night you will fall away on account of me, for it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I'll go ahead of you into Galilee. And Peter said, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Do you see how he makes himself almost look good by making the others look bad? He's basically saying, I can see how these other guys might let you down, but not me, Jesus. I'm not that kind of guy. Even if everyone else in the room here today, no offense, friends, lets you down, I won't. I'm solid. My faith in you is strong. We're going to pull through this together, Jesus, like Batman and Robin. We are going to save the day side by side. And Jesus pushed back at him again. Truly, I tell you, Jesus uses those words always when he wants to emphasize the importance of what he's saying. This very night, before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. They were confident as he was. But Peter's our focus today. Because this makes this story all the more sad. 
that when Peter doubles back and joins up with the crew that are interrogating Jesus, and he sits in the courtyard outside, warming himself by the fire, wondering what's going to happen next, he's challenged three times. And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. And then more strongly, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And if you don't feel the sadness of this story, then you've not really understood it. This is a man who's finding out who he truly is in the most awful of ways. The second time he says, I don't know the man, immediately a cock crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the cock crows, you would disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. The Bible commentator Douglas Sean O'Donnell sums it up this way, this moment in Peter's life. I think this is brilliant. He says, this is the last word on Peter in this Gospel of Matthew. No more talking from Peter. No more great confessions. No more boasting. No more walking on water. No more drawing his sword. There is only silence and the unmistakable noise of someone scampering in the dark and the faint sound of a once mighty man crying in the dark. That's where today's story ends. But I think it's really instructive for us just to see how Peter, who was so self-confident, became so broken. And it's instructive for us, I think, in a couple of ways. The first is this. What Peter was experiencing here is something that we all do at times in our lives. The Bible calls it fear of man. It's fear of what other people think about us. It's a controlling thing. It's something that we all experience, perhaps from our earliest days, maybe wondering and over-wondering, what do our parents think about us? Do they love us as much as our other siblings? Are they proud of us? Do they actually respect the people that we've grown up to be? But it comes in all sorts of places. It begins again in school with our teachers. What do they think about us? It happens in the workplace. What do our colleagues think about us? It happens in our marriages. What does our marriage partner think about us? It happens in friendship. What do our friends really think about us? And if we're on social media or further afield, even strangers seem to have the right to comment on what they think about us. Do they like us? Do they like what we've said? Or do they not like it? And we can become incredibly insecure and fearful. Some of this fear is real. And a lot of it is imagined. How much danger was Peter really in in this story? Have you thought about that? Do you remember when Jesus was arrested? We only did it a week or two ago, didn't we? Do you remember Matthew emphasizing it was a large crowd that came to arrest them? The disciples were completely outnumbered. It was a large mob armed with swords and clubs. Do you remember? And the disciples had two swords between them. Do you remember, at the end of the story, they flee. John emphasizes that Jesus said they should let these people go. But they could have tracked them down. They had the numbers to keep them. But they were of little interest to the authorities. The only one they really wanted was Jesus. 
And you see in this story, it's Jesus who's facing down the high priest. It's Jesus who in a room above Peter is really on trial for his life. Peter actually is doubled back. He's sat there. He's of little interest to these people, but he feels desperately afraid. It's actually a little servant girl connected to the high priest, but as far socially in terms of her status from the high priest as she could be, who confronts Peter. It would be like, I don't know, Vin Diesel or Conor McGregor or the guy who played Jaws in the James Bond films, if you remember that enormous bloke with the silvery teeth. It would be like him running scared from one of the girls that's just gone out to Head Start this morning. Goes up to them and he flees, he's afraid, he's on the back foot. Peter was a big guy with a big personality and big confidence, but when he was confronted by a little servant girl, he was completely afraid. Peter was sitting on the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You were also with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. He's evasive. Then it happens again. He went out to the gateway, kind of a porch or a gatehouse, and there another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. This time he takes an oath. He actually promises to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I don't know the man. And then after a little while, those standing went up to Peter and said, surely you're one of them. Your accent gives you away. So if you were in Jerusalem, it was kind of posh. It was Clifton. It was kind of the Queen's English. But if you were Peter you had a kind of Birmingham accent. So you stood out just every time you opened your mouth and people generally thought you weren't as educated or as qualified as people who lived in the capital. It's a bit similar today, I think. There's prejudice, there's regional accent prejudice, depending on how you speak. And so Peter was dealing with that and this time he began to call down curses. Some people think he cursed himself and his own family. But if you're following in the new version of the NIV, they've taken out on him because many Bible commentators now believe he called down curses upon Jesus. It was something the first century Christians had to do to prove they really disavowed their faith. Some people think Peter did that in this moment. We don't know. But he did swear to them, I don't know the man. When it came to this confrontation, the man who said he would die with Jesus, who said he would never deny him, fell completely to the fear of man. Why is it that all of us experience that at times? Why is it particularly when it comes to standing up for Jesus we experience fear of what others will think. We wonder if they think we'll be stupid or weird or bigoted. We feel enormous pressure, or at least I do, when opportunities arise not to say the wrong thing. And sometimes as a result, I say nothing. It's as if I don't know the man. Why is that? Well, the second thing we see is that Peter actually failed to listen to the Son of Man. 
Peter had experienced all sorts of teaching from Jesus, but he had selective hearing. I'm sometimes accused of that by Susan, that if the word pudding is mentioned, I can hear it from about three miles away. Uh, If the bins need putting out, I'm not quite so attentive. Uh, Peter similarly had selective hearing when it came to listening to Jesus. There were certain things that Jesus said that he liked, those things that made him feel special, those things that made him feel important, those things that made him feel that the mission was on track and they were going to be successful and respected. But there were other things he resolutely ignored or refuted. Let me give you three examples. Straight after Jesus was recognized by Peter, he went on to teach the disciples these things. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and teach the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. And Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not ever mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. You see, Peter didn't want Jesus to go to the cross. At one level, we can understand that because the cross was such a shameful way to die. Cursed was anyone, it was said in the Old Testament, who hung upon a tree. It was an agonizing death. It was a slow death. It was a death reserved for the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. So in one sense, we can understand that. But Jesus said he must go to the cross, and Peter said, never, Lord. Those are two words that can't belong side by side. Either Jesus is Lord and we say yes to him, or he's not our Lord and we can say whatever we please. But never, Lord, was a revelation of Peter's heart. You'll never do that thing you've just said you're going to do. But it wasn't the only time this happened. It happened later on. So uh, in chapter 26... Jesus took the disciples with him to Gethsemane and asked specifically for Peter, James, and John to pray with him. But when he returned, it says, to his disciples, he found them sleeping. Couldn't you men watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Peter, the leader, the one. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. How many times did Jesus say that to Peter? Do you know? Not once. Not twice, but three times. He tried to warn Peter what was coming. The spirit's willing, Peter. I know you want this, but in your flesh, you're weak. You're going to let me down. Three times he brings this warning to Peter and the disciples. Then what happens? Well, Peter says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. Jesus warned him directly it would be him. And Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. 
Do you see how Peter was selective in what he listened to Jesus saying to him? He wanted the good bits, the bits that made him feel important and special. He rejected those bits that he felt were off track, that were wrong, that he couldn't understand, that didn't make Jesus the Messiah he wanted him to be and his life to go in the direction that he wanted it to go. I don't know about you, but I do know about this man standing here, that there are times in my life when I have selective listening when it comes to Jesus. I want to claim some of the promises that he makes that comfort my heart. I promise, he said to me, never to leave you or forsake you, and I say yes and amen. I promise to forgive all your sins, and I say yes and amen. He says to me, in this world you will have trouble. And I'm not so keen on that. He says to me, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And I want a life that doesn't involve much suffering or denial. He says to me, if the world hates you, it hated me first. And I want to be popular. And I want to be liked. And I want to be affirmed. And I want to be respected. Will I listen to Jesus? Will I listen to him? Will I allow his words to shape my life? Or like Peter, am I a selective listener? Do I fail to listen to the words of the Son of Man? This story ends incredibly sadly with Peter out in the darkness weeping. But there's not only fear in this story. There's not only failure. But there is the beginnings of forgiveness. Because in this story, the cock crows Then Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Before the cock crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. It is an incredible moment. God has spoken through some amazing things in Scripture. But in this moment, he speaks through a crowing cockerel. And in that moment, the noise pierces Peter's heart. The cockerel, in effect, says to Peter, repent, Peter, for the kingdom of heaven is near. At the end of the day, what was the difference between Judas and Peter? It is verse 75. When confronted with his abject failure, Peter doesn't try and atone for his sin himself. He simply weeps bitterly. And those tears bring about a breaking of two dawns. Not just the dawn of the day, but a dawn of a new day in Peter's heart. If you're like me, if you're someone who's fearful a lot of the time, if you're someone who at times is just filled with self-loathing, if your self-confidence went a long time ago, And most days are just a bit of a struggle. You know, the answer isn't to find your self-confidence left under a rock from years before. It's to get on your knees before Jesus. It's to hold out your hands and say, Lord Jesus, you've made promises to me. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. And in you I can forget myself. And I can find free and full forgiveness. 
I can find a purpose in each day, strength for living every step you've called me to walk until that day where you gather me home. That restoration can be painful. Three times, Jesus warned Peter to watch and pray. Three times, Jesus was denied by Peter three times on that beach. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Do you truly love me? And it pained his heart. There are times when the restoring hand of Jesus is painful, where the healing that he brings actually hurts. But his plans and purposes for us are good. When you meet Peter again in the book of Acts, what do you find? A man who's no longer self-confident, a man who's no longer self-loathing, a man who is utterly self-forgetful and just looks to Jesus for strength and boldly proclaims, that's my Lord, that's my King, that's the one I live for, and that's the one I'm prepared to die for. And he walked that path. May Jesus do for us what he did for Peter. May he help us overcome our fears. May he help us be those who know our failures are forgiven and remembered no more. May he help us receive his forgiveness and his grace so that we can live for Jesus as our eternal king. Let me pray. Father God, this is a painful story because it not only confronts Peter with how wrong he could get things, but us with how wrong we too get things. Oh, Father God, we pray. We pray. Lord, where we are self-confident because we have not yet been tested, we would repent of that and place our lives in your hands. Where we're filled with self-loathing, because of giving in to fear and failure. Father, we pray that you again would help us to repent and to see ourselves through your eyes of love. And Father God, we pray that you would raise us up to love and serve our King, whatever the cost, that his name might be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.